HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Bob's Red Mill believes in baking, breakfast, and the pursuit of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. In the Drink is the show that brings you the most interesting people in the beverage industry and the most delicious things to drink. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and when I'm not hosting In the Drink, I make a small amount of wine in Italy called Anona. Um, we have our uh, new vintages coming out shortly, so look out look out for the new vintage of Cerasuolo Montepulciano coming out this spring, and also a brand new Falangina Fiano from Pastum in Southern Campania and Organic. Organic uh, Falangina Fiano, two of my favorite grapes. Um, really excited to uh, to launch that uh, probably in late May. Um, I'm really excited for today's show. I have a friend uh, in the studio. I cannot believe that we are almost at 200 episodes, and I have not had uh, this buddy of mine uh, on In the Drink yet. Uh, I am sorry about that <laughs> to uh, both my friend Yannick and to, to listeners of the show. Uh, we have Yannick Benjamin here. Um, Yannick is a New York-based sommelier. Um, he is someone who is a sommelier at the University Club. He has worked at uh, Le Duc which I think is one of the best uh, wine retail stores in New York City. He has competed in many wine competitions, um, even winning, and uh, he holds the Advanced uh, Sommelier Certification from the Court of Master Sommeliers. And perhaps most impressive of all of these things, he is someone who is a co-founder of a charity um, called Wheeling Forward. Uh, it's, a, it's a charity that helps to improve the lives of of people with disabilities, um, and uh, we're going to talk today about the Wine on Wheels event. Uh, Wine on Wheels is a cha- is an event that I've been doing for for years. I think since the beginning, Yannick himself has accomplished all of that while uh, uh, being in a wheelchair himself. He is just a, uh, a, a incredibly nice, impressive 
well-dressed uh, guy <laughs> uh, is wearing a, uh, a suit in Bushwick. Uh, they, they made an exception for him. It's usually not allowed in, Bush- in Bushwick. Uh, uh, but every, I'm so happy to have you in the studio. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, it's funny because people were kind of giving me the uh, stare down because I was in a suit, but I was actually staring them too. I was like, uh, this is very unique. We don't see people dressed like this up in the South Bronx because that's where I live at. So really lots of fun to be around here. I am infinitely <laughs> impressed that uh you came here from the south bronx i mm-hmm. mean uh not just because of the disability but because it's far it's like you're saying you're telling me before that you know on a good day if you're going to uh, go to the most accessible uh even if you didn't have to worry about accessibility at right. subway stations it would take an hour yeah yeah. No, well, listen, first off, I need time to spend with you, so it's worth it. And, um, you know, it, it always changes the scenery. So, no, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a real honor to be on the show. And first off, uh, the utmost respect for you. Um, and you've always been there. I think you're one of the original OGs, you know, um, for the sommeliers. I think you've been pretty much there since the beginning of Wine on Wheels, since its inception. Since it was at Ledoux's That's right. yep. shop. And it was such a great event. And uh, yep. it would just really just outgrew it because, I mean, that's right. even there, and it was fun. Everyone had a lot of fun, but it was it was packed because there's so many people i mean you get every great sommelier in the city who you're friends with right. you know and they all come out and want to support you because you're such a great guy and it's such oh, a, a great cause and the the quality so let's talk about wine on wheels events coming up april 29th right um i will be there yep. uh thank you 12 to 4 that's right that right yep that's great um and the quality of the wines are, that you get are just fantastic. And remind me of the location of the right. Yeah, day. so it's going to be uh, April twenty ninth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's twelve to four, like you said. It's at City Winery, mm-hmm. which is on one fifty five uh, Varick Street. Um, it's a great venue, um, great location, easy to get to. Um, we've done it there for the last uh, three years. This is our sixth uh, wine on wheels. Um, so it's been uh, it's it's constantly growing to the point that we're actually doing something called Wine on Wheels slash Symposium Week, Symposium Week, and it's all these like small little little tastings that are happening throughout the city. So we have like something we have Wines of Austria mm-hmm. uh, seminar at Ledoux, which will be on April twenty second. Um, Katia Schnergo, who's a, a sommelier at Le Bernardin, she'll be leading that. Um, the day after, Ribeiro de Duero and Rieto with Alex Lepret at Gotham Bar and Grill. Then we have Bordeaux comes to Harlem wine tasting at Vinatieria. So you can find all these um, small little tastings, RSVPM. It's all on the website, uh, wineonwheels.org. But it's really to create a buzz for the actual big event, which is going to be on April 29th. Are there still tickets left? Yes, there are still tickets, but we did sell out last year. I remember that. So yeah. uh, please jump on it. And um, before the show ends, I'll make sure that all your listeners get a discount code, too. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. And you get, I mean, can you tell us some of the sommeliers who will be there? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, <laughs> it's pretty nuts because, uh, and it just goes to show you why New York City probably has the greatest concentration of not just great sommeliers, but great human beings. Mm-hmm. We have over 80 sommeliers pouring. Um, and so it's, again, it's not really about just them pouring, but it, it, I think it's a good excuse to have everyone under the same roof all for one really good cause. And I think they have, all have a personal connection to it because I think oftentimes, you know, you'll ask cooks, chefs, uh, sommeliers to come and participate to these fundraisers. And yeah, it's a great cause, but like, are you just pouring wine, but is there some kind of connection? Do you see the result of what you're mm-hmm. doing? And I think they get to meet some of the members that have actually benefited from Wheeling Ford from a grassroots organization like that. Like that. And so uh, 
it's, it's a real positive thing. And, and yeah, for sure, they'll probably be pouring two, three wines. They might even get a little drunky drunk, and that's okay. But I think the energy is just all about happiness and trying to make a difference. It's amazing. And I, I love there's the, the La Pole Burgundy event, and there's only like 50 or 60 sommeliers. So you have like more than like the yeah. biggest Burgundy event yeah. in the country. Um, and again, like I, I, I've said it like three times already, but the, the caliber of the wines that you know you, you pour, like it's amazing. I know I have tried many times to get distributors to donate wines right. to an event to a charity to something and it is hard right. it is like like squeezing water <laughs> out of a rock to get the you know, um but they they come out and and just are super supportive of your event yeah i mean it, that, and that's a lot again credit to um the wonderful importers and distributors um and i think that the one thing that's great about this event no one's competing with each other so you've got as you know, New York, it is a very competitive city um, just naturally. But we have over you know, 100 importers, distributors that are donating their wines. And without any hesitation, I emailed them and they're all about, hey, no problem. We love to support your cause. Then not only are they donating their wines, but they're actually there to, to come and hang out. And, and we've got wines from all over the world. I mean, for crying out loud, we've got wines from uh, Turkey, you know, from uh, Eastern Europe. I mean, there's representation from around the world. And I guess... That's supposed to be a reflection of inclusion, inclusion of people with disabilities too, as well. So, uh, um, so there, we're not we're not better than any other country or certain region. We just want to focus that there's there's no boundaries, there's no limits. And so, can you tell us what are the funds primarily going to? What are the yeah. the main focuses for Wheeling Forward? So originally, Wheeling Forward was started as an advocacy group. Um, myself and Alex Elagudin, who's the president and co-founder, we uh, we both befriended each other um, because we were in the same hospital room. We were in two separate car accidents, and we both have spinal cord injury. Uh, I'm a paraplegic. He's a quadriplegic. And, uh, you know, one thing that we noticed while we were there for about three, four months in that, the same hospital room, every day we had someone come visit us. We had mom and dad, uncles, friends, ne- uh, nieces, whatever, dropping us food, saying hello, hanging out with us. And in the other rooms, some of the other patients had no one visit them. And then we were fortunate to be able to go back to our own homes where we had some financial uh, flexibility, where we were able to, uh, you know, make our room, our bathrooms, wheelchair accessible. Well, some of these individuals lived on on a fourth floor, third floor. They didn't have the financial flexibility to be able to do that. And so they found themselves in nursing homes. And unfortunately, one gentleman who came to replace me when I left, because Alex had to stay a little bit longer, his name was David Simon. He was he was uh, he was my replacement as a roommate. He went off to a nursing home, and then a few months later, he unfortunately died, and that really just kind of affected both Alex and myself. And we knew that we were so fortunate to have that family and those friends as a network, and we just thought that it was time that we developed an organization that we act as a second family and of that support. And so, you know, we do advocacy. We actually um, we provide wheelchairs for people that need them. I mean, there are people who who need power chairs, but. Um, because they simply don't have the financial resources to buy their own or their insurance will not cover it. We are able to provide them with that. And it goes a long way because it allows them to go to work. It allows them to uh, go to school or whatever responsibilities that they need to do. Um, we just recently opened up a, a place called the Access Project, AXIS, um, and that's located in Harlem on 112th and 5th. And that's a wellness and physical fitness center for people with disabilities. It's one of a kind. And all the equipment there is adaptive. We have physical therapists on hand. We have... 
And it's also a place where people that you can actually hang out with your peers mm-hmm. and actually um, convene there and have great conversations and learn from one another. And that's very important. Learn how to adapt to a world that isn't necessarily designed for people. No, with definitely not. No, for sure. And like I tell people, you have to adapt to what's around you, but you have to make it adapt to you as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of reciprocal. And it's definitely challenging, no doubt about it. Yeah, you're talking a little bit about being uh, working out and being an athlete. You're an athlete yourself. Um, you've competed in multiple marathons. Right. Uh, uh, you're extremely like physically fit. What's what's your? I know you're someone who's like good about like your regimen and your right. workout. And what's yeah. your, what's your workout routine like? And I'm yeah, for sure. I'm usually at the gym at least five six times a, wow. a week. Um, probably forty minutes to uh, an hour and twenty minutes. You know, I, I hit the gym pretty hard. Uh, Although I feel a little fluffy these last few days, but uh, you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I think first off, just in my position, it's important to keep myself, you know, physically fit because mm-hmm. it, it's challenging. I'm constantly pushing, so I have to keep myself healthy. And also, we're in an in- industry, wine and food, where you know sometimes uh, we overindulge without even realizing it. So that's super important. And um, you know, even before my accident, I worked out like a maniac. I played sports. I was an athlete, and so it just it was just natural that it carried over. Yeah, and it probably is helpful to... Absolutely. What's something that the restaurant industry can do to be more mindful and and helpful of people with disabilities? Well, you know, simple little things go a long way. I mean, one thing that really bothers me about restaurants, for sure, is the fact that they never have a menu available in Braille. And when I mm-hmm. hear people who say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm not blind, but I have, I actually have uh, uh, two cousins that are blind. I would just imagine if I was a CEO or I was, I was there for a, a business lunch or dinner, you know, and I'm blind because there's a lot of successful uh, and motivated um, people that are blind and I'm there trying to impress the other individual, but then I can't read the menu and I need, I'm trying to persuade this other person to invest in my company, but I need to have he or she read my menu. It kind of throws it off. Um, having a, a menu in Braille, super easy. Just get a printer, make it happen, do it. Um, I think that here in New York City, even though it's a major urban metropolis, I love New York City, born and raised. I think that we, we really are blinded literally by um not making things accessible we just don't make that effort we mm-hmm. really don't um and ada does not apply here in new york as well it's just really funny so it's especially when i see these restaurants that are getting gutted out and built from the ground up and then you see there's stu- three four steps in there and the bathrooms downstairs or even the bathrooms on the main floor but it's not accessible i find that kind of asinine it's shocking yeah. i do yeah it's it's strange that like it sometimes it feels like people can try to get around ADA if like it had been a restaurant right. before and it's like you're you're turning off a whole portion of potential paying customers for sure and yeah. people don't realize listen yeah it's a little costly sometimes but at the end of the day we all benefit from it you mm-hmm. know when they when they started doing curb cuts people were like why are people doing curb cuts for it doesn't make sense we don't need them well people started realizing senior citizens walk you know use walkers or or people break their legs and they need a wheelchair for that you know for a time being um, people with strollers so at the end of the day we all benefit from the, the building of ramps for elevator elevators and train stations um, for the long term mm-hmm. um, it just makes us better as a human race at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I'm all for it. No, for you, sure. You know, and, uh, I'm, I'm working on uh, uh, building out a new restaurant in, in right. Brooklyn. Uh, I'm looking for spaces I was telling you about. So right. it's helpful, um, <laughs> you know, to have your advice. For sure. I'm definitely going to look into a, a Braille printer. I, it's not, that's not even something that I would have no, thought not. about. Uh, 
No, no. I, I, now I feel like horrible that maybe there's someone <laughs> who, who came to the restaurant and didn't mm. uh, and wasn't able to look at the menu. For sure. I mean, and going back to that, um, I would certainly like to see. I mean, one thing that I always consider myself as someone deeply passionate about the hospitality industry, even before mm-hmm. wine. Um, my whole family was in it. I grew up in it. By the age of 13 years old, I knew that's what I wanted to do no matter what. And so I, I would like to see more people with disabilities employed by whether it's wine companies, food companies, hotels or restaurants. And I think there, there's a lack of visibility when it comes to that as well. Yeah, I agree. I think as, as I, I've, since the moment I met you, I felt like uh, at some sort of like brotherhood, a brothership. Um, Thank you. So maybe it's, it's you know you're so like welcoming and warm and, and amazing. Maybe also partly like both being New Yorkers. But I right. I think also this like this hospitality thing. I think you you get it, and it it uh, it hurts me to think that people you know are not being hospitable or only being hospitable to people who it's easy for them to receive hospitality. Right. Part of being we used to have this quote um, uh, up that's actually, I mean, maybe not appropriate for this. Thing, but it, the idea of hospitality, it, sh- it shouldn't just be for people who are nice or for people who are easy right. to, to have hospita- to give hospitality to. It should be for everyone. Absolutely. You know? No, no. And I totally understand what you're saying. Um, we need to welcome them because... When you think about it, I think it's it's a staggering statistic. Only twenty percent of people with actual disabilities actually go out, actually, yeah. actually entertain themselves. And of course, a lot of them are in fixed incomes, and there's a lot of other reasons for it. But a lot of them don't go out because of the anxiety of having mm-hmm. to make plans because they call up the restaurant and the hostess, hostess or manager says, "Yeah, we are accessible." Only to get there, and there's two, three steps. Only to get there and find out that there is no bathroom that's accessible. So it's it's very discouraging at times. Yeah. I've been through it. I go through it every day. Um, I'm maybe a different breed. You know, I'm, I mean, I I have amazing parents that kind of instilled uh, this really great stubbornness. So it doesn't affect me as much. But I can understand it. I can I can empathize yeah. with it, and it happens a lot. And that's why a lot of people don't with disabilities don't go out. And talking about employment with uh, disability, um, I was reading a, a, a really uh, cool story about how you got your job at University Club, right. how you'd done a bunch of wine competitions right. there. Is this true? And then yep, uh, you had no idea true. that the, the GM uh, had actually been like observing you in wine competitions. Yeah, there. for sure. Um, so after my car accident, um, you know, probably a year a good year after I, I was working, but I was working more behind the scenes. I was readjusting to my new situation. I had always worked in restaurants, always worked the floor, whether it was as a waiter, captain, busboy, uh, you know, dishwasher, and now as a sommelier. But then all of a sudden to be told that, hey, now because you're paralyzed, you can never really work in restaurants anymore. And that's like people, a, did people come out and say that to you? I wouldn't say people came out and said that to me, but it was definitely implied. I mean, I remember people really, I think people meant that they had the right idea. They would come up to me and say, hey, maybe you can change your career and go into computers or something. I mean, I had people say stuff like that and I, no one meant it in a bad way, but it's yeah. still, still stung. It, it still stung oh. when at the age of 13, you just sort of kind of envisioned that this would be your whole life, that you're going to be doing what your uncles and your dad did. And now all of a sudden, uh, because of uh, two seconds of, uh, of a devastating car accident, I'm not going to be able to do what I want. And for some people, it is strange. It's so strange that I can have this 
it's like this 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 passion to want to work the floor late nights you know this this anxiety the stress that we have that, that the restaurants can give you mm-hmm. um it's it's not the most glamorous lifestyle but it was something that i very much loved and enjoyed to be part of um but it took a long time to finally get back on the floor it was not easy but I guess I created my own chance. And how I did that was just constantly going to do sommelier competitions, learning how I can serve uh, glassware, serve wine on a tray in a wheelchair. Um, and that was challenging, but I, it was always a learning process. And I was never afraid of failure. Like I, I welcome failure because I think I'm what, one of my greatest strengths, because I have a lot of weaknesses, but one of my greatest strengths is to learn from my failures and, and just kind of it's like sort of like Legos, you know, I'm constantly building, building, building. So um, that's what I did. And if you're afraid of failure, you're never going to learn. And, I, you know, even I'm almost 40, um, constantly being curious, never losing that curiosity is really important. Yeah, that's a good point. On that note, we're just going to take a quick break. I'm going to let that one seep in <laughs> a little bit. Uh, we'll be right back with Yannick. I don't think there's anybody worthy to run this company but the people who built it. I have employees who've been with me for more than 30 years, and plus, each and every one of them deserves to be an owner. That's just the way it ought to be, and that's just the way it is. This is Bob Moore. He and his wife, Charlie, started Bob's Red Mill almost four decades ago. Today, they offer one of the largest lines of organic whole grain foods in the country. And in 2010, on his 81st birthday, Bob gifted ownership of the company to his employees. I'd received plenty of offers to buy my company over the years, but selling out never felt like the right thing to do. When the time comes to let someone else run this show, I can't imagine selling it to a stranger. Giving the company to my hardworking employees just feels right. The company now has an Employee Stock Ownership Plan, or ESOP. Stock is put in a retirement plan for all of its employees. When employees retire, the company buys back their shares. According to the National Center for Employee Ownership, about 11,000 companies in the U.S. currently run as ESOPs. It just shows how much faith and trust Bob has in us. That's Bo Thomas, the company's engineer and maintenance superintendent. He's been with Bob's Red Mill for over 27 years and has put his four children through college in the process. For all of us, it's, it's more than just a job. And, and obviously, it's the same way for Bob, too. Bob is still very active in the company. He's the president and CEO, and you'll find him working at the mill just about every day. Because when you love something this much, you want to be a part of it. Well, I may have given them the company, but the boss part is still mine. Bob's Red Mill is committed to sharing only the freshest, best-tasting whole grain foods on the planet. Learn more about their mission of good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast.
All right, we are back with Yannick Benjamin, who is the co-founder of Wheeling Forward, um, and we're getting really excited. I'm getting really excited for <laughs> the Wine on Wheels event on April 29th at City Winery from 12 to 4. I will be there uh, along with 79 other amazing uh, sommeliers and really just great wines. It's just a great atmosphere. It's just a really fun, happy atmosphere. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and there are still tickets available. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were talking about your job at the, uh, at the university club. What is the university club? <laughs> yeah. Can, can we go? Is it a private club? Yeah, it is a private club. Okay. Um, it's located on 54th and fifth. So there's, you know, it's, it's a whole different world, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, so it's a private club, uh, about 8,000 members. And, and there's a bunch of these private clubs, you know, in Manhattan and in these beautiful historical buildings that are just like magnificent. Um, and definitely the university club inside of it. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the access to ever see it, but it's probably one of the most amazing buildings so much so that I actually got married there. I was fortunate to get married there last year, uh, with my lovely wife. Um, just an incredible building. Um, and and really the nicest people. Um, I'm very fortunate. Um, they're big supporters of what I do outside, you know, with the wheeling forward and my nonprofit and they do come to my wine events and, um, it's, it's really a great atmosphere. I didn't know anything about it. Um, you know, I was offered this position and I was kind of taken back because um, when I, he offered me this position as a sommelier to work there, I had given up the, uh, the fact or the hope that I would ever work the floor again. I thought I was just going to probably be working su- uh, on the supply side of things or import distribution or something along those lines. And nothing wrong with that because it's, it's a great side of the business, but I wasn't ready for it yet mm-hmm. to commit. And so when it was offered by the general manager, uh, Mr. Dorman, I was just uh, I was super excited. I didn't know what to expect, but a, a, a man in my position doesn't say no um, to an opportunity like that because um, finally my dream had come true to be able to work on the floor as a sommelier. Do you remember the, your first guest there, uh, finally as a sommelier? I think what I do remember, and I, I will say this, it was probably like the third or fourth guest, and yeah. it was really actually, uh, I would say it, it was quite cute. Um, I rolled up to the table, um, and it was, a, it was a party of four. And I'm, you know, remember, I'm in a wheelchair, so I'm, I'm seeing everybody eye tie. So there was yeah. something very intimate. And the, uh, the older gentleman kind of looked at me, and he's just so shocked. He sees me with my, my wooden tray that I, I've built, you know, custom built for uh, to carry bottles of wine and glasses. And he just looks me, me up and down, you know, for about five seconds, and he's like, Wow, that's very interesting. I've never seen anything like this before. You're something new. So it was something new. But it was, it really came from the right place. I didn't yeah. get offended. Of course not. And it was just, uh, but it really, I guess that was my, my, my coming. And uh, it was nice. And I knew, and of course, people say that because it is unique. It's such a yeah. uh, different situation. And people love my tray. And, but there is something very intimate when I roll up to the table. And people yeah, that enjoy makes that. makes sense. And thinking about it, you know, as yeah. a, a, a guest, you're like looking up generally. Right, to, right, exactly. Or at this point, you're looking down on, on the guests. That's right. And yeah. you're really like having a, a conversation with them as if almost as if you're at the table. Absolutely, uh, yeah. You're on the same, the same plane. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I mean, I love, I love the feel of carrying the bottle. I love opening up the bottle of wine. I love decanting it, and most of all, giving a bottle of wine to someone um, who's never tried it before, mm-hmm. or just that perfect marriage of the wine and food. And that's that's really the fun part about it. Is there an area of the world that that you're most passionate about for wines? I mean, I'd probably say first and foremost, I think it's probably a tie between maybe Burgundy and then the Northern Rhone, and then definitely Piedmont 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah, on all and, of those, yeah. And yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of other great places off the beaten path for sure mm-hmm. that I, I enjoy. And, uh, there's not, I mean, I, I was just in Chile uh, in January. It's just such a beautiful place. And the winemakers out now there are just super passionate and, and lovely as well. Um, but I yeah, feel that, like we were start, we're starting to get some interesting Chilean wines coming to yeah. this, right? For, for so long, it was just like mass produced right. Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc that are just like, yeah, there's maybe a, technically correct, but not that interesting. But right. now, but now there's like a lot more, I don't right. know a ton about it, but maybe right. you can. No, definitely. I think, I think, uh, you know, you've got so much, you got smaller producers and they're using really interesting varietals like Carignan mm-hmm. and Pais. I had a couple of times, which was really fantastic. Was yeah. Awesome. We're really just delicious. So you've got all this stuff happening. I think this new generation, um, who are kind of breaking off, like from that really perfect technical execution of well-made wines, but they're sort of, uh, I don't want to say maybe generic or just, they just lack character, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you want your wife to look like Barbie or do you want your wife to have a little bit more character and you can have actually normal conversations with her and have some fun and, 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 and she's not afraid to let her guard down. And I think that's what, that's the beauty of a lot of these wines sometimes. Yeah. And so much potential there with, do you find a lot of ungrafted vines and old vines? Oh, absolutely. Sort of There's so much potential down right. there. And, and I think it's going to continue to grow and, mm-hmm. and they're not just the only ones. I mean, I think you've got other parts of the world that are con- constantly growing and, and learning and moving on up in the wine world. And I think it's super exciting at the same time. It's very competitive and uh, it's it's only going to get more difficult, I think. Yeah, and tell us about your classes at uh, at Ledoux. On uh, one of the cool things about that that store is that if you go in the middle of the winter, or in the middle of the summer, <laughs> it's still like fifty six degrees. Is that still true? That's there? right. It stays. It's always like around fifty five degrees. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it yeah. Change. You'll be you go there in the summer and like everyone's wearing a fleece. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, right. It's true. No, it's very true. Yeah. So I do these uh, Saturday seminars. Um, they usually start around two o'clock, um, different topics, you know, from around the world. It can be anything, unoaked whites, you know, full bodied reds, uh, spicy reds, uh, Italian reds and so on and so forth. And, um, they all have their own different themes and, and they're free. They're great. They're casual. They're fun. Oh, they're free. Yeah. Free is a good word. Yeah. Wow. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just so, st- stop by and just stop you have to sign up or no you can just you just stop by it usually starts around 2 2 30 you know and if you have any questions call up the store and we'll we'll di- we'll give you the we'll direct you the right way so no issues and you can taste wine for free too or taste wine yeah usually about six to eight different wines so some pretty and some fun stuff some really great stuff so uh definitely don't miss out on it and it's always great to to get a free education yeah <laughs> was jean luc was ledoux the your first job in the wine industry after the accident uh so i actually was i went back to work at the ritz carlton hotel um on central park south and then um and then that was yeah i mean i actually when i went to when i started at ledoux you know i I was working there it was my first job yeah it really was yeah so it has a has a dear place in my heart yeah now you were on a TV show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which I, I watched all six episodes on yeah. Esquire. Uh, uncorked, yeah. Uh, uncorked is about, uh, I guess, in a way similar to the the Psalm film, where it, yeah. it, it uh, tracked people who were trying to right. you know sit for the the master sommelier exam, right. and um, you know you had passed parts of the exam at, right. at different at different points, and going into it, you're like, you know what, this is my. I remember you saying, this is my last. If I don't pass this time, like I've devoted, I've dedicated enough of my right. life to this. But then 
after, uh, yeah. I think it was in the last episode after, <laughs> where unfortunately, like I was, you know, I was really rooting for you, I appreciate um, it. and it seemed like you got super close, but maybe just missed it by a hair. You're like, I might give this another shot. Where are you? Are you now? Are you thinking you're gonna? Are you studying for it again? Are I mean, you? Are you? Have you written this off? Like. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of like uh, someone who retires from sports, mm-hmm. you know, maybe physically they don't have it in them, but mentally they really wish they could do it, you know? Interesting, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I wouldn't describe it that way, but it is a big financial sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a sacrifice of uh, your, your social time, too, whether you have a wife, husband, family, friends. Um, and yeah, so I always get that itch because I, I, I'm a man of a uh, person of structure. So I really love that, like, you know, getting home and I'm going to study this and learn learning something new because the world of beverage and food is, is endless. It's, it's infinite. Um, I did sign up this year and you then, did. and then they accepted me and I said, I just, I, and so I had to back out because I said, I'm not ready for it. And I, there's just yeah. too much happening, but I think maybe next year, I don't know. I don't know yet. I mean, but I have to get myself on a proper schedule and be very strict about it. And, uh, like I said, it's, it, it the only person that fails is is yourself, and you know when I when I took the last all, all I had was theory, and I really didn't give a hundred percent. And in order to pass that, you have to give it a hundred percent. My only true regret is that even if I would have failed, I, it would have been nice to know that I gave a hundred percent, but I did not. Mm-hmm. You know because I just had so much going on, and and everybody has a lot going on. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in that frame of mind. I didn't want it that bad. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but uh, it's a wonderful program. It really is, and the people that are part of it and that run it are really great people. I have yeah. only great things to say. And they, they, for, they, that was sort of my physical therapy after my car accident. So uh, it was really great. Having that structure. I think there's something to it. How do you, do you have any advice for someone who wants to, uh, incorporate more structure into, into their, their life and more, more routine. I think that, yeah. uh, I get the feeling that the way that you, that you're so accomplished, part of the reason, um, obviously you're, you're very smart and, uh, strong and, and talented, but I think that you being able to put this like structure right. in, in your life probably has something to do with that as well. Uh, it definitely does. Um, and it kind of carried over. I think, um, I definitely, I mean, there, it can kind of backfire because if you're a man of routine and a strict routine, sometimes things do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some roadblocks and then it's all a matter of how you react to it. And sometimes I'm not that great at reacting to it. Too so, rigid. Oh, yeah, right. it's, uh, too rigid. But it does help accomplish, you know, every morning or the night before I usually make a, a list of tasks that I need to get done the next day. And I try to like uh, make sure I get them all done. And, and I find that really super helpful. And I think in life, what's really important is to always try to do better than the day before. And if I feel like I'm not doing better than the day before, whether it's emotionally, physically, mentally, um, then I'm uh, then I need to think about it. I need to sit down and go, what, what did I do wrong? And, and that's what I try to do. I, and um, yeah, I'm getting older day by day, right? Because, uh, but I know that I need to try to do better. And I think right now, even though I didn't pass the master sommelier, I'm a better sommelier today than I was two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Well, keep us uh, updated. I don't think. Uh that it, it takes away anything from all of your accomplishments that, that you didn't pass. And, uh, Thank two, you. <laughs> I mean, two out of three of the parts is still extremely impressive. Thank you. Um, 
and uh, whatever you're doing, we're rooting for you. Um, so I will see you on April 29th. Oh, yes. Thank you. Well, and, let me give them uh, your, oh, your yeah. listeners a discount code. So if you go to uh, www.wineonwheels.org, mm-hmm. um, you can use a discount code of YBWOW. Two zero one seven, so it's YB Wow twenty seventeen, and you will receive fifteen percent discount on the uh, tickets purchased. And please note that a hundred percent of those um, that purchase will go back into uh, Wheeling Ford to help people with disabilities achieve their goals, no matter how big or or small. So uh, it's it's all for a really good cause. And not only that, but you're going to be drinking great wines poured by. Not only great sommeliers, but just great, great people who I'm very fortunate to call my friends and who have supported me. Um, people like this wonderful man sitting right in front of me, Joe Campanelli, who I'm very blessed well, to know you. Thank you. I mean, uh, I'm blessed to know you, too. You're, you're doing inspirational, good stuff and uh, also you. bringing delicious wines to people, <laughs> which is really fun, too. Um, all right. I want to thank our engineer, David Tadashore, and everyone from Heritage Radio Network. This has been In the Drink with our awesome guest Yannick Benjamin. I'm your host Joe Campanelli and hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.